Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me on the line, Raptors Nostradamus himself, Eric Green. Eric Green once again with a clean week. As negative as that outlook was, it uh, proves once again that Eric's cynical view on things is, uh, you know, not without reason. The Raptors go one and two. Eric, exactly as you predicted, win, loss, loss. A tough overtime loss in Detroit to Dwayne Casey and the Pistons. And an uglier, less forgivable one to the Houston Rockets back in Toronto on Tuesday. Before we talk about all that, Eric, how are you? I'm all right. Uh, Excited to escape winter for a few days, I would say. Ah, a little beat writer minutia at the end of the pod, perhaps? Um, I mean, we we can bookend it. This will just be a tease. Um, okay. Yeah, like the weather in New Orleans has uh, not been great, but it's steadily rising, and uh, I believe it's supposed to be 18 uh, upon arrival on Thursday, and uh, we're only going up from there. Uh, oh, yeah, you're off to Miami after that. Yeah, and it will get warmer in New Orleans, too, on Friday. Um, might rain, but that's okay. It's it's uh, it's exciting. I uh, I myself am going to be in the low double digits for temperatures, which is a temperature I kind of forget how to dress for. Yeah, I think you you're going to want to lean on some sweaters. Yeah, um, and then maybe have a light coat with you uh, for the evenings. Uh, how low? What are the lows? The lows are uh, actually the time I'm there. The absolute low while I'm there is seven, and it'll go That's as high bad. as nineteen. Yeah, so I'd probably get away with a bomber. Yeah, yeah, I think you're good there. You don't. Uh, my my main concern uh, for tomorrow is getting to the airport without having to take a winter coat. Uh, yeah, I'll just suck I, it up. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not as hardy as you, as we know. Wow. Just gonna fat shame me. Two minutes into the no, podcast. no, no. I'm just saying I'm soft. I'm okay. you know I can be exposed by the elements. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a very Kevin Owens, Daniel Bryan right now. <laughs> I, you you probably haven't watched SmackDown yet, but I watched the first ten minutes uh, before I went to bed yesterday. Okay, to, uh, so you see that the from the yeah. uh, the Raptors game. So you're aware that the bad guy is the one husky shaming. <laughs> don't be don't be like Daniel Bryan, Eric. Uh well, he's he's going to be on the right side of history unfortunately. That's true. Uh, I mean not okay. unfortunately. <laughs> well, maybe we'll see. The world's going is going to, you know, fold on, into itself, so in that sense he will be correct. All of this is to say that Eric is about to hit the road with the Toronto Raptors to as they embark on their last three-game road trip of the season. At New Orleans, at Miami, and then at Cleveland, uh, Eric will be ditching the cleave. He will not flee to the cleave. Uh, and man, if this worked out differently, uh, Fastlane is in Cleveland the night before. You could have been there. You could have. You should have done New Orleans, skipped Miami because who wants to be in Miami for two days, and then just gone to Cleveland uh, a day early, or just yeah, left Miami in like the third quarter of that game or something. Like uh, the fans will. <laughs> oh wow. Hey, uh about your uh, struggling, uh, not really struggling, your uneven Toronto Raptors. Oh, I was more taking a shot at Miami Heat fans. 
I, I, well, I figured it was because they would leave because the game wasn't close. But good point. They yeah. are not the uh, the most present of fans all the time. But you aren't wrong that your Toronto Raptors are not playing the best of basketball right now. Uh, we talked about two of these games on the last pod, but let's zoom out a little bit. Uh, since this, since the seven-game winning streak uh, that they had, which was kind of underwhelming spread over the All-Star break, uh, they have lost in a bad game to the Magic. Great wins against Boston and Portland at home. Lost in overtime at Detroit. Lost to the Houston Rockets. So they've now dropped three of five. Which, whatever, if you drop three of five over the normal course of the season, even if there are a couple of you know bad ones in there, that's not a terrible stretch. However, we talked a lot last week about how the Raptors probably didn't have a chance to get the one seed because they were three games back of Milwaukee in the loss column and don't own the tiebreaker. Well, as luck would have it, Milwaukee lost back-to-back games for the first time all season. So the Raptors' struggles have coincided with uh, an unexpected window to maybe close that gap. Uh, still probably would have been less than a 50-50 shot, even had the Raptors won the last two games. Uh, as it stands now, their odds are, depending on the metric you like, somewhere between like 8 and 12% uh, to get the one seed. So that's that's probably not happening. Uh, more, I guess, prescriptive than where they are in the standings, though, is that uh, there are some problems that have reared their head, at least in the last two games, uh, one of which was was without Kawhi Leonard, so obviously there's there's some context there. But Eric, the bench is struggling, and it's something we both kind of touched on coming out of the Houston game. Yeah, uh, and as I wrote later on in my piece, I don't think it's as big of a problem as it would seem to be uh, over the course of the regular season, just because the rotation will shrink. You, you'll see, I would wager you'll see more... Uh, strict staggering of minutes where, you know, maybe there are some minutes without both Leonard or, and Lowry, but, you know, not very many. There were only six on uh, on on Tuesday against the Rockets, and those six went terribly. So, and they, all, uh, they all included Siakam, too, so it wasn't yeah, a straight... Exactly. exactly. Um, so I think, you know, it's on Nurse to figure out which players work with some of those reserves, but you also think you're getting Fred Van Vliet back. And I don't know uh, how you feel about this, but I I think, you know, Lynn and Powell together uh, have been the bigger problem, not necessarily because their games don't work together. They've just been both bad at the same time. And when they're the second and third sort of initiators in a lineup, that's a problem or the first and third in, in, in some cases. Uh, But yeah, Van Van, Fred Van Vliet, uh, who should be coming back in two or two and a half weeks, something like that, uh, I think in a playoff series would eliminate the need to play one of those guys. And with more uh, staggering, there will be you know fewer times where there's just four reserves out there or five reserves out there. Uh, you know, that seems unlikely. Saying that, you need one of those guys to get going because you don't want to pl- be playing uh, just with a dearth of, of guards. Uh, you you know, those guys are versatile enough defenders and they are capable penetrators. And you, uh, at least one of them, you want to be confident you're going to get, you know, 10 to 15 good minutes from. And that just hasn't been the case recently. Yeah, I really think Jeremy Lin is going to be that guy eventually. This is kind of an inexplicable stretch for him. He was playing pretty well with Atlanta. 
Um, you know, the O of 17 mark on three so far, if that if that's even four of 17, which is still below what we'd normally expect from him, um, you know, suddenly that's an extra 12 points over those seven games. That's an extra plus two in every game. And suddenly it starts to look at least a little bit better. Yeah. Um, but he's also, you know, you you pointed out that, that Houston got pretty physical with them uh, and he didn't really respond to that super well. Um, he didn't look... You know, last sorry uh, on Tuesday, nobody looked good in a in a pick and roll combination with anyone really, save for uh, Lowry and Ibaka. But you know, Lynn hasn't found that chemistry with the bigs yet. Uh, Van Vliet will help. Van Vliet, uh, as I noted in my piece today, uh, will get the hard splint off his thumb on Thursday. Uh, today marks three weeks since he originally underwent the surgery, which is when they said there would probably be some type of update. So I'd assume we'll hear in the next day or two um, what. The timeline is for Van Vliet. Seems like maybe in the next two weeks he could get back on the floor. And the nice thing about a, a non-shooting hand thumb injury is that, um, you know, it, it's he's been able to do conditioning. He's been able to do right hand ball work. Uh, I guess the question becomes the the thing you wrote about last year and his funky three point release. That's all thumbs. <laughs> what the hell happens to his shot now? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'll start over eighteen and. People will be like, this guy sucks. Then he'll, you know, straighten things out and be great. And uh, he's always been an important player for this team since he uh, stepped into the rotation last year. And uh, so long as that thumb is, you know, not hopelessly mangled, uh, I think, you know, he'll he'll certainly add a lot. He's not a savior, but he is a, another, you know, good penetrator, a good decision maker, somebody who... Uh, you know, you know how the Raptors love to talk about getting into the paint before getting those three-point touches. He's, you know, he does like to get in the paint, uh, and whether or not he makes the right decision in there, uh, you know, that can vary. But it's just another option and another guy who they love to have on the floor in in big situations, particularly. I was going to say particularly offensively, but honestly, if you're you're seeing a certain type of lineup, they love him on the ball as well. So he'll help, but we're, you know, that doesn't address the issues right now. Uh, and the good thing for the Raptors is they don't really have to address the issues right now, even though it would be uh swell if Well, yeah, this is something I mentioned at the end of my piece today, and it can be a little frustrating in that these issues, like they, they have a solution and it's the different staggering and the tightening of the rotation. And you absolutely understand why with over a month left, they wouldn't go to that solution yet because it doesn't make sense and you don't want to ramp up minutes. And then I think there's also a factor of you want to keep seeing Lynn and Powell and McCaw and maybe Malcolm Miller um, so that you know if you call on a ninth or tenth man in the playoffs, which guy you're calling on. Um, at the same time, you know, it's it's frustrating to sit through it and see it not work. So, And that's kind of been the case with a few things this year where it's like, okay, well, this isn't working and this is how you'd fix it come playoff time, but they're seeing it a little longer. And then obviously the roster turnover has shaped some of that. Um, you know, would you, do you think there there's, do you think that that's a part of it that, you know, they're continuing to see these Lynn Powell looks or Lynn McCaw looks or give each of those guys nine to 15 minutes um, because, you know, this is kind of, that's kind of an open competition for the last one or two playoff rotation spots. Yeah, for sure. I think Tuesday was a bit of an outlier in that, you know, the part the first part of getting back in a game is getting back in a game. And, you know, that starting group was doing such a good job that you sort of wanted to keep them together 
and you deal with the second part second <laughs> because there's no there's no second part without the first part first part being completed. So right, it's like I saving think, your closer for a save situation that's not going to come. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Buck Show Walter. Um, uh, so that made sense to me. I thought Twitter was maybe being a bit unfair toward Nick Nurse on on a uh, on Tuesday evening. Well, that would be a first. Yeah, no. I mean, Twitter has a long uh, history with being uh, very kind and thoughtful and empathetic to a coach's role over the course of eighty-two games. Um, but yeah, I think they want to see what these guys have with each other. You can't just play seven guys and then sneak a different eighth guy into the into the rotation for four or five minutes at a time. That's not really fair to any of them in terms of developing a rhythm now of course you won't you don't expect these lineups to be a part of the playoff rotation but you know they have to all get these minutes and sometimes it's just going to be together because you want those high leverage lineups like the two versions of the of the starting lineup maybe you have lineups with uh Lowry, Green, you know, Leonard and OG you need to get those minutes a bigger uh, a bigger sample and more cohesion. So, uh, you, but by process of elimination, that means that three or four guys, maybe only one of two who, one or two who are playing in the playoffs uh, in any given series will be, uh, will be playing together. And the other thing to remember about playoff series is different matchups call for different players to play. Patrick McCaw might be useless in one series and he might be essential in a second series, uh, so I think it's, you know, incumbent not to just mothball a guy and, uh, and then look to him in a time of need. Uh, yeah, Norman Powell, certainly, you know, both the Indiana and the Milwaukee series was a huge part of turning, uh, those seven game sets. Uh, you just, there's no reason to just, you know, send them to five minute, four minute DNP CD territory right now. It does not make sense. And especially when you consider that the Raptors have next to nothing to play for. Not nothing, not nothing, but not much. Not to be a caricature of myself and have you and Tim Bonton laugh at me. Uh, <laughs> would you, would you turn to Malcolm Miller at some point since he's on the roster and not down with the nine Oh five and, and throw him out there and say, hey, here's a little bit more length and a, someone who can actually shoot as part of that bench rotation just to see? Or is it so like, is it so clear that those minutes are going to one of Lynn Powell or McCaw that it makes sense to just keep running those guys out there? I wouldn't mind like a one or two game addition, uh, audition, A-U. Um, but, uh, you know, assuming this is where they are, then... I think the minutes can be largely spent elsewhere, but Miller is a, you know, he's probably the best three point shooter of the bunch and he does uh, give you a bit of a rangy body, nowhere near as rangy as Patrick all arms McCaw. But uh, yeah, he'd, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a cameo in, in, in some minutes and I think he'll get that chance. And I think, you know, because of how long he's been, with the Raptors, both last year, uh, mostly with the 905, and, and this year they do have maybe a bit more insight in what, in what he can do and, and what to expect. From Here's him. my issue with Malcolm Miller not playing for the Raptors. He did not go on this very important Raptors 905 road trip, so 
play him or let him help the 905. I know they're thin. I know they only had 12 bodies last night, the Raptors did. Um, however, the 905 are on a big three-game road trip, and they are, you know, in need of some Ws. They've already more or less lost the division. And because the G League playoff format is one and done, and they're not going to get a bye now, they really need to lock up a spot that would allow them to have a home game in the first round. What do you think of... What do you think of Jama's rotations lately? Uh, I think he's done pretty well considering that his entire roster is point guards. Uh, now that they have Wade Baldwin and earlier in the year they had claimed Josh Adams off the out of the player pool and they have Jordan Lloyd and Jordan Howard off the bench even who who's pretty solid. They have like like especially with Boucher and Miller with the the Raptors right now, their rotation is basically all point guards and then McCall McIntosh and Derek Cook Jr. So um, they did an interesting thing on the weekend where they started multiple point guards. So you'd think they'd be a little small, but they also started Chris Boucher at power forward. So they were kind of, it was like they could, they just swung the ball back and forth and like had a, a point guard center pick and roll on either side of the floor. They could go to It's pretty interesting. Yeah. One person said they appreciated the nine Oh five update. So I'll just say that they have, yeah. uh, seven games left. They're very likely making the playoffs, but probably not winning the division. Um, and they have a game at Scotiabank Arena on the 14th before the Lakers game. Uh, thank you for treating that question earnestly. Yeah. It's Jamma. Of, of course, J- Jamma just throws energy and spirit at guys, and then they become better players. That's how it works. And and people. Yeah. Better people, too. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Anyway, we should talk about the actual Raptors, um, because... As much as their their playoff situation is as locked in as well, they're probably going to be the two seed. Um, you know, it would be nice to see them playing better heading into the playoffs. Uh, I guess the one question, I'm very tired of talking about it, and I know you are as well. Uh, Kawhi Leonard probably doesn't play at Cleveland on Monday, right? On the second day of a back-to-back? Yeah, I was asking a, uh, a fellow Raptors reporter... Uh, I can't even remember who it was, whether he plays one or two games on this trip. Uh, I got to think he's out in Cleveland uh, for sure. At least he, hey, it was it was interesting that he traveled to Detroit for that one game trip because early in the year when there were one game trips, he sat out, he did not travel. Just stay back in Toronto, save yourself yeah. the flight, get treatment and everything. So, yeah. yeah. Is it possible he thought it was like way warmer in Detroit? <laughs> I don't want to, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to say that's possible. I don't want to assume the guy's a, an idiot. <laughs> well, look, lots of Americans think it's like suddenly you get south of the border, and uh, even He's though been Detroit in the league is, eight years. Is, He's been to Detroit. Yeah, I think technically Detroit is north of the border uh, at that point. It, uh, uh, like at that point of the Canadian-American border, I could be wrong about this. Makes total sense. Although I was. I was a very strong geography student back in the day. I, I bet you were. I, you remember how you, like, I used to know, like, every country on the map, or, like, not every, but, you know, you could probably go 200 for 200 and however many. What happened to that brain? I don't know, but geography is my weakest category in Jeopardy, so. Oh, mine is all, like, uh, you know, for, like, any opera category, terrible, obviously, but also the sciences, I'm... Uh, not good at. I know a weird amount of medical stuff. It turns out that I didn't realize. For, and then you play Jeopardy and retain some not, dumb not stuff. A, you have no idea why. Yeah, uh, and you don't have that. Like neither of your, none of your degrees would have had you delving far into that. Would there have been? No, I did some like nutrition and fitness stuff for a little while before mm-hmm. I let myself get chubby again. But um, yeah. you know, you know how that goes. Okay, so the Raptors. 
Uh, one interesting oh. thing I want to just mention uh, about the bench and staggering because it's uh, you know it's something that I that I included in my piece today. Um, basically, Lowry, Danny Green, and Pascal Siakam have been the three guys on this team that drive team level performance. And I know it sounds weird to not include Kawhi Leonard in there, but the team is thirteen and five without him. And because there were those adjustment periods earlier in the year, he still has a positive impact. Um, and a positive on-off uh, rating with this team, but it's not nearly as pronounced as Lowry, Siakam, Green. For our analysis, we'll include Leonard in that group because obviously he's a guy you think of when you're when you're talking about staggering stars. Uh, when those four are on the floor together, the Raptors are killing teams by 12.9 points per 100 possessions. That's awesome. Even with only three of them on, beating teams by 9.9 points per 100 possessions. Awesome. Still, with two of them on, by 7.9. Still really good. Uh, in every other situation, though, it gets pretty bad. If only one of them's on, they're getting outscored by 4.5 points per 100 possessions. And when all four of them sit, which is the scenario we've discussed a bunch that you absolutely can't see in the playoffs, they get outscored by 13.5 points per 100 possessions. I know there was a lot of numbers out there, and I know that this trend follows exactly what you'd expect. If you take your four most important players, your performance will dwindle as you take one more and one more and one more off the court. Uh, but it's very pronounced and very linear for the Raptors so far this year. Um, and yeah, then there's the weird element of, of Leonard having the least impact of those guys, but, um, you can come up, we're, we're going to reasonableize about this, I think next week or maybe the week after, uh, about playoff rotations and stuff like that. But do you see a scenario where the lineups are staggered in the playoffs such that, um, you know, well, obviously such that always one of those guys is on, but could you even see, Nick Nurse trying to keep two of those guys on, or is that is that kind of too much, like hook two guys early, get two guys back in? Is that kind of needlessly complex? I think it's possible. I think it depends a lot how Gasol comes along the next few weeks. I still think it's like a pretty small sample to be considering his impact. Obviously, the team has performed much better with him with the starters and the bench because the team performs much better with the starters than the bench. <laughs> so, I, I, But maybe you get to a point where Gasol is lifting bench-heavy units up more than he currently has. Uh, it's certainly Tuesday night notwithstanding. It's more aesthetically pleasing, but that hasn't resulted in, uh, or that hasn't produced results yet. Um, it's tough to say whether he can definitely stagger two of those guys on at the same time. I think that's a lot to consider. I think you can make it so one of Lowry or Leonard is on at the same time, and that might be as close as you can get. You can draw it out in like a, on like a timeline, and it's easy enough to do, but once the game actually gets going and there's foul trouble and there's matchups and things like that, yeah, I think... I think what you're focusing on probably is one of Lowry or Leonard always on the floor. And if you can get green with Leonard or Siakam with Lowry or, or, you know, for little bits of that, perfect. Yeah. Uh, that seems entirely reasonable. It's not that far from what we saw on Tuesday. Uh, like it, it's not what we saw on Tuesday, but it's, it's kind of close. And I, I think like another thing to consider right now is the one guy who Nick nurse has been mentioning about needing, about not wanting to push is Danny Green. Uh, 
probably because of his injury last year and just, you know, he just hasn't missed much time. So I know there's been a few occasions where people have wondered why he hasn't been playing in late in games or uh, even more minutes. You know, he rarely, I, I don't have his list and his game log in front of him. He's rarely cracking 30 minutes. And I think there's, you know, a good reason for that. And it's the same reason that, you know, we're talking about Kawhi Leonard, not playing in certain games, uh, just to a lesser effect yeah. or uh, extent, rather. Danny Green has cracked 30 minutes, you know, with some regularity, including Tuesday night, but he hasn't gone over 33 uh, since January 13th. So they, they have kept those, you know, a little, a little lighter, which I think... And he also, like, I... I guessing he has the toughest one-on-one defensive assignment yeah. more than anybody else. Yeah, and he only averaged 27 minutes in January and 26 in February. So they're they're trending downward from, you know, early in the year when he was playing over 30 minutes a game. Yeah. Those are hard minutes. Cool, cool. Yeah, he, uh, he's really put in a lot of work for this team this year, and uh, they'd be – I don't want to say they'd be in trouble without him, but is – very useful to acquire him in that trade. And as John Schumann noted on Twitter today, he has the highest jump in effective field goal percentage over last year in the entire league. Mm. Danny Green, most improved player. There you go. Take that, Pascal. <laughs> and D'Angelo Russell, who's is pretty salty about not winning yeah. the, uh, the most improved And every player. Sacramento King and Paul George and Giannis. And there is it's a loaded class. I still think Pascal Siakam has taken a big leap and maybe the most important of any of those guys. Uh, and I think he's probably the, I don't have the line in front of me, but he's probably the betting favorite right now. Were I to guess, I just think there'll be too much. Oh, he's only a second year. This is supposed to happen. Lottery pick stuff for De'Aaron Fox. And then when you get splitting yeah. everyone else's and Siakam's, you know, John Schumann also tweeted out the jumps in points plus rebounds plus assists per 36. Uh, but there's also the factor of Siakam's minutes have gone up by more than 50% and he's gotten more efficient uh, and that's that's relevant too. Doing the same role over a much much larger uh, stretch of time is also improvement. Yeah, in terms of George or even Giannis to a lesser extent, like this award almost never goes to guys who go from all star to superstar. You know, like uh, it's there's just first of all, Giannis already won the award, um, which isn't to rule him out from winning it again. Paul George also won it. Oh, and I don't think anybody's ever won the awards two times. I can't, uh, I can't imagine. I will try to looking through the list right now. Ooh, Ike Austin won it once. Alan Henderson. Uh, Okay. Let's, let's not just read the thing. I think Alan Alan Henderson, I think was an original Raptor killer. Nice. Uh, That whole family, the the Henderson family just killing Raptors. (laughs) Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I think Pascal will have a reasonable shot at that. And we'll, that's something we'll probably break down in that that last week or two of the season when it gets a little slow there in April and the the schedules that are maybe when we'll the games that. really don't matter as opposed to probably don't. At matter. least to Toronto because the first week of April, the Raptors play the Magic Nets and the Magic Nets Hornets and Heat all in the same week. So while those games won't matter to the Raptors they might have a hand in determining who the Raptors uh, go against. Right now, if you were to look... Uh, Got to game the system, baby. 
Let's I, go. I don't know if it's that so much as, you know, and none of those games are on a back-to-back. So if, if Kawhi Leonard sits for, for one of those, you know, maybe that does, maybe you're, you're obviously still trying to win every game, but maybe which game Kawhi Leonard sits tells us something about who the Raptors would prefer to play. Right now, the way it shapes up, Detroit and Brooklyn are tied 6-7, thanks in part to the Raptors uh, losing in overtime to Detroit. Uh, analytically, Detroit is slightly favored to get that sixth seed now. Uh, Brooklyn would then be be likely to finish seventh just because those two teams are two and a half games ahead of the next chunk. Uh, Charlotte, Miami, and Orlando separated by half a game for the eight seed. So uh, it looks at this moment like Toronto will get Detroit or Brooklyn in the first round of the playoffs. Um, but Charlotte, Miami, and Orlando all still in the mix uh, for a playoff spot and perhaps the jump into the seventh seed because if you're a 500 team, a lot can happen over the last 16, 17 games. Yeah, I'm just looking at basketball reference right now. Uh, they have Detroit uh, projected for an even 41 and 41 record. They have Brooklyn at 39.4 wins, and then Orlando, Miami, and Charlotte, each within uh, basically a game of each other. Uh, so and- I want Orlando, Orlando to make it of those three teams because I think well, I, you know playoff Terry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, just to know, mention it. I don't know it, what playoff Harry means, but, you know. Uh, just to mention it, because we've kind of tracked it as, as we've gone along, the Pacers still a half game up on the 76ers for that three seed, which would be the ideal outcome for Toronto looking ahead to the second round if the Pacers hold on to that. Uh, the Pacers' schedule is about to get real nasty, though. So um, their next – is this the start? They Yeah, so this is the start of their stretch at Milwaukee, at Philly – uh, a reprieve at home against the Knicks, and then OKC at Denver, at Portland, at Clippers, at Golden State, back home for Denver, at OKC, oh at Boston. God. So that's their March. That's their next three weeks. That is hell. Through something. That is an 11-game stretch where they could, like, if they went 2-9 and nine in that stretch, it wouldn't be surprising, even though, you know, Indiana's a good team and they can compete with any of those teams. That's just such a hellacious stretch and, like, um, you know, the game at the Clippers is on the second night of a back-to-back, and that's tough. L- lousy, smarsh schedule. Yeah, that's tough. Do you know what else is on, uh, at stake with the eighth uh, playoff seed? What? The Southeast Division title. Ooh, wow. That's gross. The Southeast Division is right is right now – actually, I don't have the live standings, at least the projected standings – it is eight through twelve are all five southeast teams. <laughs> Damn, what a division! Yeah, uh, only a few years ago, one of them would be slotted in the four-five series. Wow, that's gross. Um, and then, and then you'd be scrambling to fall into that other four-five series. Yeah, uh, Philly and uh, Philly and Boston, and Indiana and Boston might. I'll be losing games on purpose to the extent that they could. Anyway, it's a non, it does not matter. Continue. Yes. Yeah, I got a, I have a conference call in a bit, so we got to wrap this up a little tighter than usual. The week ahead at New Orleans, at Miami, at Cleveland. Eric, what do the Toronto Raptors do? I'm going to say they go two and one, one in New Orleans, one in Cleveland, lose one with a South Beach hangover in Miami. Will you uh, yourself have a South yeah. Beach hangover in Miami? I'm not ruling it out. Well, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm more optimistic about food opportunities on this trip. Uh, not optimistic. I, I get more excited about food than drinking, which I think is reasonable because. Yeah. 
Well, especially since you'll be by yourself. Well, there'll be some some writers, uh, but none of them are very likable. Wow. Anyway. I will not have to deal with that. Uh, Eric, the other prediction to make our Memphis Grizzlies, uh, they are at home to Utah and at home to Orlando. Uh, coming off DeLon Wright, tying a career high with 25 points. Uh, JV has been playing very well. Bruno is starting. Uh, the Grizzlies, two games, Utah and Orlando. What do the Grizzlies do? Ooh. Um, going to go 0-2. Damn. Yeah. Uh, do we have any fast lane predictions? Mm, yes, I have a fast lane prediction. Mm. Sammy Zayn returns and sides with Daniel Bryan. That is a good prediction, and it makes much sense. I still uh, haven't figured still out how know. they get to Kofi at WrestleMania, though. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I still don't know where that leaves them for WrestleMania, uh, you know. Unless you split it into KO versus Sammy and Kofi versus Daniel Bryan somehow, or a four-way. Yeah, or not in person, not not on this podcast. Uh, Uh, Yourself, any predictions? Um, well, Becky obviously wins to create a a triple threat. Uh, The Shield will almost definitely win, and that will. Nobody in the is going to turn on each other uh, at this point unless Dean Ambrose is staying. Uh, what else is going on in this pay-per-view? I think know. not a lot with stakes, but I think it has the potential to be a pretty good show. Like uh, Andrade, yeah. Andrade Cien Almas against Rey Mysterio. I feel like they've not, they, they haven't had the foot, I haven't watched, as we said, SmackDown, but they haven't had the foot on the gas pedal with that uh, feud recently, like in the last few weeks. But they always yeah. have a good match, so they'll have a good match. Yeah, they're very good. Anyway, I gotta go, so we can wrap this up having said that Sami Zayn returns at Fastlane and Becky wins, right. and that's all we really know. Yeah, look out for a big piece from me, likely coming Thursday on theathletic.com. Yeah, cool. Thanks, guys. I uh, appreciate you listening. We will talk to you before the Lakers game next week. See ya. It's too late to be a reasonable man.